0: Australia's Ashes side confirmed and dissected on today's Splash. It's Friday the 17th of November. Yeah, and we'll get to all the Ashes test selections in just a moment on the Splash. I'm your host, Phil Pryor. Welcome in. Uh, Just quickly, the Rugby League World Cup. Quarterfinals this weekend. Australia v Samoa, Friday, 8 pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, Australia v Samoa, Saturday. We've got Tonga v Lebanon uh, in Christ Church, uh, and then also uh, in New Zealand on Saturday. New Zealand, they take on Fiji, and the winner of that New Zealand game will likely meet Australia. In the semi as well. So definitely worth keeping an eye out for. Uh, and then on Sunday, England v. PNG in Melbourne. So there are your four games uh, for the Rugby League World Cup this weekend. All the updates, commentary, analysis, highlights on the Fox Sports website. Check it all out. Uh, and also on the Fox Sports website today, um, we're still following on from the Socceroos Uh, entry into the Russia 2018 Football World Cup. uh, And commentary out of the US surrounding Ben Simmons continues. Uh, He dropped a near triple-double yesterday against the LA Lakers, just one rebound away from a triple-double, just dominating uh, left, right and centre. His odds of reaching the All-Stars team have shortened even more drastically now. um, And his odds of taking out the rookie of... The year uh, you can't even back him for that uh, for that award, you know. Touchwood, hoping he stays fit uh, right throughout the season. But now for some cricket, the as I mentioned off the top, the Test eleven has been selected and announced. Dave Warner, Cambrank Bancroft, uh, Usman Khawaja, Steve Smith. Uh, We have Hanscom at 5, Sean Marsh at 6, Tim Payne as keeper and then Stark Cummins, Hazelwood Lion, pick themselves, uh, Jackson Bird at 12 and Chad Sayers uh, in the squad uh, at 13. I bring in cricket journalists Joe Barton and Tom Morris from Melbourne. How are we, boys? Very well. Good, thanks, Phil. (laughs) And what are your... I'll start with you, Tom. What are your initial reactions? We have, obviously, those few contentious... Uh, picks that we've been talking about for weeks now what's your initial reaction uh, to the 11 that has been picked Um, and how would you rate the selector's job
1: Uh, my initial reaction was wow they have gone bang and I think Cam Bancroft was common sense for Renshaw that makes uh, good sense I think Sean Marsh was understandable i think it was probably a 50 50 between him and glenn maxwell but i still get where they're coming from with sean marsh and the tim Payne one uh i've slept on it and i've warmed to it overnight i like it there was no one that deserved it whoever was selected wouldn't have done enough to get in so they've just gone who is the best keeper who can we rely on to take the catches? And it's Tim Payne and the hell with Shield cricket. And you know what? That's what they think anyway. So they've just got out of the limb and they're going to win the Ashes doing so. So I don't really mind it. Uh, I'm probably in the minority there. What are your thoughts, Bardo? Look, I, for,
2: for the reasons that you've stated there, I actually don't mind it as well. I love the idea of picking the best gloveman and to hell with uh, batting stats. That's probably a good thing for uh, from Tim Payne's point of view because his batting stats are quite horrific over the past three years. But that this is where the discussion has come from the past two or three weeks where Alex Carey came out of nowhere purely because he's an excellent young gloveman. Um, that, that's essentially what the, uh, the selectors have decided basically a month ago. We want, we want the best gloveman. Yeah. Peter Neville didn't uh, put his hand up enough in
0: either way, uh, gloves or with the bat. So there you go, Tim Payne. Why not? <laughs> yeah, starting with Tim Payne, the best out-and-out gloveman in the country. Fair to say, boys?
2: Well, that, that's uh, that's his reputation, yeah. And, and as Tom wrote in a terrific story which went up on site last night, um, Payne impressed everybody, including uh, the select on Judy Mark war uh, during the recent ODI overseas series in India. So, um, in that series, he excelled and showed everybody that he's got the silky glove moves that, uh, that we know he's got, but Tom... I assume you agree on that one.
1: Yeah, I, well, I think the best two glovemen in, in Australia are Tim Ludeman and uh, and Tim Payne, and neither has played much shield cricket. Well, Tim Ludeman hasn't played any shield cricket this summer, and Payne played one game as a batsman. So it just shows with six states, there's probably not enough room to get the best pure gloveman in if they can't bat, which is the way of the modern game. What I will say about Tim Payne as well is that he was the next big thing in 2010. He played four test matches, performed well in India, and he, I think he rises to the level. He's got a higher test average than he does first-class average, significantly higher. So I expect him to do well this series, especially behind the pegs, and make some handy runs. At 32, it's the perfect time to bring him back in, especially given no one else was uh, was putting their hand up, even marginally. The fact that Wade, Neville, and Carey didn't make a half-century between them in three shield games meant the selectors had to look elsewhere.
2: Just one last point on the um, on the keeper. I'm, I'm very happy that they've not uh, gone... And uh, picked Bancroft with the gloves, which I think they were tempted to do, and there was some push to uh, to kind of shoehorn him into the side as the wicket keeper. I feel like that would have been the the wrong wrong way to go for a guy who's played fifty odd or sixty odd uh, first class matches and only kept in the past three mm. of them. Yeah, um, he's not the first choice in Western Australia, and I think. If he's in the team, I'm very happy that he's uh, there as an opener, even if it is at the expense of Matt Renshaw, who uh, I'm quite a big fan of. But I'm definitely definitely excited that he's there as a specialist batsman rather than burdening him with uh, with double responsibilities in his test uh, debut.
0: Yeah, and Tom, I take your point. Two with uh, Tim Payne, you know, he's, he's always uh, excelled with opportunity, even in the, the big bash in front of the, the large audience, um, home and at the ground, so, uh, so a good call there. Uh, on, on the dropping of Matt Renshaw, what's your take there, Tom?
1: I think it's completely fair enough, you just can't, and, and I think the, the CA communication that's come out this morning, the media release explains it well. Uh, for once, from CA, they, they can't wow. actually. They, they can't actually justify Renshaw trying to find form in the Ashes. You can't do that. Yeah. He had to make some runs. You know what? If the Ashes started uh, on the same week as the Shield season, Renshaw would have been an absolute walk-up start. It was probably in the last couple of weeks we started talking about his spot as in jeopardy, just because he couldn't make any runs. You can't select a bloke who's been so short of runs like that and expect they're just going to pull, a, uh, flick a switch and make runs against Anderson, Broad, etc. Uh, he'll go back, he'll get back in the team at some stage. But this was a no-brainer, and I'm glad the selectors had the balls to do it.
0: Joe, it's not necessarily a bad thing to to drop a player at this point in his career either. We've seen it with a lot of players. You know, some of the more famous examples being Michael Clark and Steve Smith mate uh
2: it's very very rare for a player to uh to go their entire career without being dropped yeah um and yeah as as a young player i mean it is it does seem like it could be a setback in the short term for him he's, he's twenty one years old and now he's going to have to struggle through what will be a pretty uh tough shield season for him mm. but as we say he's twenty one years old he's got the right temperament he's proven himself at test level this is this is his chance to um to go back do what matt Hayden. I mean, he's been likened to Matt Hayden so often that we kind of put them to group, group them together. Matt Hayden, exactly the same thing happened. Went back in Shield cricket, went back to back to back to back, thousand run seasons. Yeah, sc- you know, battered the lights out, um, and then came back and uh, became one of the the greatest Test openers of all time. So that's what uh, Matt. Ren- that's what uh, lies ahead for Matt Renshaw now, scoring a scoring a bucketload of runs for um for Queensland and hopefully being back in the Australian team in the, in the near future.
0: And Tom, uh, Tom, Matt Renshaw will probably take comfort um, in the fact that Sean Marsh is being recalled to the Test Arena for the eighth time, no less.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I think, I mean, in some ways it's a, it's a relevant stat because it just shows how he's been in and out so much. But it also is a little bit uh, misleading because he's been injured in some of those times he's gone out. It's not like he's been dropped eight times. He's been injured and then back yeah. again. Um the thing with Shaw Marsh is uh, he's super, super talented. He's made runs against all sorts of bowlers all re- way around the world. He'll take Matt, Matt Renshaw's spot at first slip. But the innings that clinched it for him, in my view, was that 91 he made against the New South Wales attack, uh, or the Australian attack against New South Wales at Hurstville Oval. That, that's what got him in. Yeah. Just like the, the Bancroft carrying his bat, that's what first uh, pricked the ears of the selectors. So what the selectors have done here, they've said form is king. And I don't think anyone can argue with that. There's other sorts of uh, debates you can have about the relevance of shield cricket and team balance and so forth. But form is king, and uh, and it's won out here again. I,
2: so, I, I, I dare say that uh, that match the match at Hurstville Oval between New South Wales and West Australia yeah. decided the fate not only of uh, Bancroft and Marsh, but also Hilton Cartwright, who I think was he- yeah. <laughs> heavily favoured, heavily favoured to, uh, to to take part in this series as the number six uh, batsman, as the seam bowling all rounder, but got a pair in that in in, uh, in that. Uh, shield match and I think his stock dropped considerably after that
0: So would you two defend the selector's decision to select a 34 year old Sean Marsh um, and not give some of these other uh, you know very decent 34, 35 year old batsmen even a chance?
2: The The age the age is, is irrelevant for, for me my knock on Sean Marsh is more to do with the fact that I'm not convinced he can get through a five test series um, he's got a Dodgy back, dodgy hamstrings. Throughout his career, even as a young, as, even as a young fitter player, he's uh, had many, many injury concerns that have held him back. I'm worried. I'm worried that uh, you know, back to back tests to start off the series. I'm, I'll have some concerns over whether Sean Marsh will be able to play out all all five tests, even even disregarding his form. I mean,
0: the age ha- has to have some relevance in this t- discussion, considering that one of the best Shield performers last year, like Ed Cowan continues to not get a look in though and and you know someone of of sean marsh's uh you know history with injuries uh it's not like he you know his age is on his side in terms of staying healthy and fit tom
1: yeah you're right there but it's also different at new south wales when they have i think it was nine blokes who played for australia coming back into their shield team or playing in their shield team for rounds one and two uh whereas western australia Sean Marsh was always going to play for them because it's not like they're having nine guys who've worn the baggy green uh, play under Justin Langer. So, uh, look, Cricket Australia doesn't select the state elevens; they advise and they and they push and they coerce. But uh, Ed Cowan's got every right to feel unlucky that he didn't start. I think what should have happened there, just for if you indulge me for a second, is Ed Cowan should have started in the team. Daniel Hughes would now come in when the Test players go out, and he gets a good seven seven games to prove himself. But uh sure Marshall's thirty four i don 't care if he 's forty really, um, as long as he 's fit and healthy now you 're right he 's more uh predisposed to being injured, the older he is, but then again you pick the best team you can to win the first test, and if he gets injured well you hopefully call in the reserves then uh, let 's hope he doesn't
0: you know tommy brett jeeves wouldn't de- turn down a chance to uh to call out uh you know political uh, selections and corruption uh, within mm. the, the selection. So you've missed an opportunity there.
1: I thought you were, I thought you were about <laughs> oh, to say
2: Brett oh. Jeeves
0: wouldn't turn down a spot on the team. He's <laughs> he's,
2: only, he's only he's he's only thirty five, so he's protect, <laughs> potentially within the oh. uh, the parameters there.
1: I've got no I've, I've got no doubt that Cricket Australia uh, outreaches potentially what they should, and they try to micromanage states and selections and and gender development pathways, but. Oh, look, it's just the way it is at the moment. And at the end of the day, the selectors' job is to pick 11 players. They can win the first test, and I think they've done a, re- a pretty good job here under very difficult circumstances.
0: That's good to hear. Um, and Chad Sayers, Joe, has been selected in the number uh, 13 position, uh, you would call it. Uh, explain that selection for the listeners out there.
2: Well, so, so, Australia's picked a 13-man squad for the first two tests. It's not just for the Gabba test. Um, yeah. The idea they they often carry two fast bowlers. The idea being that uh, fast bowlers are the most likely to require rest or or potentially break down. Um, and Shad says is uh, one of the specialist pink ball bowlers. Um, did particularly well in the uh, opening round of the Sheffield Shield against New South Wales with the pink ball. Looks great under lights and um, and is a South Australian. The second test is in Adelaide. I think the idea is potentially he he'll, he'll be right in the mix to um to to play that second test. Uh, should say a Pat Cummins uh, pull up sore after after the Gabba, or somebody needs a rest. Chad Sales will be the uh, the guy there, and which will be a great story. He hasn't made his Test debut yet. He was twelfth uh, man for uh, at least two of the Tests last summer. Um, very close to to a call up, and um, yeah, leading leading w- wicket taker in the Sheffield Shield last year. He's a gun. I uh, will be very excited to see him uh, to see him bowl if if he does get a chance uh, in Adelaide. And Joe, and
1: Bardo, he could, he would actually be Australia's first ever pink ball specialist, couldn't he? Could <laughs> bring him in for the pink ball test.
0: <laughs> Why not? Yeah, who would have thought we're picking a team based on uh, on what colour the ball is? Um, <laughs> Joe, also the the other uh, piece that um, w- goes up on site when any of these big selection uh, announcements take place in in you know a wide variety of sports is who are the winners and who are the losers. I think we've spoken about. Um, you know, a, a contingent of the winners right down to Chad Sayers being yep. given this opportunity uh, in the <laughs> squad. Um, talk to us about some of the losers uh, and and Tom, uh, and then we'll give you an opportunity to, uh, to discuss that as well.
2: So, yeah, so the stories uh, should have gone up on the site by the time you uh, listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, and we've got Matt Renshaw, Glenn Maxwell, uh, obviously, the, the two unfortunate keepers, uh, Matthew Wade, the incumbent, who's gone, and Peter Neville, who was the favourite a week ago and uh, possibly didn't even get a phone call this morning letting him know that he wasn't in the team. Yeah. And finally, Hilton Cartwright, who um, yeah, who I think was quite strongly favoured uh, maybe a fortnight or, or three weeks ago to be uh, in in the mix for this team, but is uh, obviously fallen off the radar with a couple of, of low scores.
0: And does that tell you, uh, is that a, also a reflection that um, this bowling attack is... Is very fit and ready to fire. There's no niggles amongst any of the three quicks. Well, one hundred percent. The um the bowling attack picks itself, including Nathan Lyon as the uh,
2: as the goat, the spinner, uh, the off spinner. Um, they
0: might be more inclined to pick a a bowling all rounder in that six position if they felt like, you know, th- the the three quicks weren't going to get through this these two tests. You'd, you'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Certainly, that the the
2: the beauty of having that that six who can. Bowl, uh a few overs and and get through some work is to take the pressure off off those guys and I mean there are there are con- always going to be concerns over especially these three uh, Hazelwood Stark and Cummins have all had unfortunately had quite a bit of uh, injury dramas uh, in their short careers but yeah at this point they all have got through the the Shield uh, the first three rounds or they all th- all three were rested from New South Wales third game but they. As we're told, fit and firing, and um, yep. ready to tear apart the palms. Hopefully, they can get each each test over and done in three days, and they don't have to don't have to exert themselves too much. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, good good things felt about the uh, the fast bowlers, which is one of the points of our winners. The the three fast bowlers have, uh, were the final winners in our winners and losers yeah. for that, for that re- very reason. It's a show of faith from the selectors that they can get the job done without. Uh, the assistance of a, an all-rounder
0: and Tommy, uh, you're a you're a Victorian. Uh, wh- what are, what are they saying down there about uh, about the the snubbing of, of Glenn Maxwell, who's now being you know isolated as a, a subcontinent specialist? He's coming off a pair of sixties, forty five not out, not that long ago. Um, you know, in a in a Victorian team which crumbles around him, so he's kind of he's done everything required from uh, you know from a, uh, a uh, what's the word an audition perspective um, to prove that uh, that he can come in in at the, at the sixth position uh, when the batting lineup is under a little bit of pressure and actually um, you know get the job done uh, on these home soil wickets uh, but he hasn't been offered this opportunity as one of the incumbents
1: <laughs> You're right. Uh, there's a bit of debate in Victoria about whether uh, the selectors are biased against the Bush Rangers. I'm not sure that's the case. Look, I think Maxwell's really unlucky. Um, I'm not against the Shaw Marsh selection, but I, I can certainly see Maxwell's perspective as well. You, you said that Maxwell couldn't have done much more. If he'd made triple f- figures in one of those two 60s that he made against South Australia at the MCG, I think he's, being, he, he's playing against England at the Gabba. He didn't. He made 60s, and although that was nice... Uh, and he looked good, it didn't quite um, it didn't quite nail home his spot. So uh, 40 more runs in either of those probably makes the difference, and that's probably what cost him in the end. Because although he made a test ton four tests ago in India, he's been goodish, patchy since. He needed to just nail it home. He didn't do that, and then he left himself open for criticism and for being replaced, and in the end, that's what they've done.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I would have picked Maxwell ahead of Marsh. Uh, yeah. In part because of that terrific century scored in Ranchi and I think he just deserves a chance to prove himself on Australian wickets in an in an Australian team I would have given him two tests but um I as you say he has he didn't drive it home when he really needed to against South Australia and I, he he's he's a pretty hard marker on himself and I I imagine he'd be looking at that and understanding why he's been been uh, been brushed but equally I think he'd uh, feel fairly hard done by as well
0: and his bowling would have been uh pretty handy in in the second test at Adelaide, which we know, um, you know, tends to age uh, for days four and five. Uh, he could have held up and over really well and potentially taken some important wickets. I'll be very surprised if the Adelaide test goes five days. <laughs> yeah. With, yeah. With, with, with Mitchell Stark and uh, and
2: potentially Pat Cummins and Jimmy Anderson and all those boys by and the lights, I think it's going to be a batsman's nightmare.
1: It's not the not the batting paradise that it used to be. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And the other thing as well is who... Let's. I don't think it's going to happen. Let's say Alistair Cook and Joe Root bat for a couple of days, just like the Gabba Test in 2010-11 when Jonathan Trot and Cook batted forever. Uh, oh, that was a nightmare. Who, who, who's who's our fifth bowler? Who's going to who's going to give chop outs? There's literally no one. Steve Smith and David Warner. Uh, Steve Smith we, doesn't we, want
2: to bowl himself, and David Warner has moved from leggies to medium pace, and yeah. no one really knows what he's bowling at the moment.
1: We, we, we've got. <laughs> it's very rare that you have a team with. Literally no fifth bowler. And I can't remember an Australian team like it, but this is what we've got at the moment. So we're relying heavily, luckily, on probably the best fast bowling attack we've produced since the last Ashes at home in 2013-14.
2: And I suspect Nathan Lyon will get through a massive workload this oh, summer. Man. He's going he's to
0: churn through the O's. He's going to have very sore fingers at the end of every test. No, but literally, that that's a good question, boys. Um, who, if, you know, if you... Uh, if I'm... if you, If you literally just have to pick... Uh, someone that, that as a fifth bowling option, uh, where are you putting your money? I'd I'd give the ball to Steve Smith, but
2: I know know he doesn't want to bowl it, so uh, I suppose you'd have to go Warner and say, Warner, can you give me six
1: overs? (laughs) I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Peter Hanscom who bowls off spinners that would probably be similar to a fifth grader in part, cricket on synthetic. He uh, he should not be bowling test level. If he gets an over, well, we can all turn off the TV because it's disgusting. They, didn't
0: they prefer to bowl Matthew Wade uh, at one point and then just well, Ma- okay. hands him the gloves?
1: <laughs> Wade's, a- Wade's okay. If you remember, there's a Hobart test. Now, who is it against Bardo? Uh, when Matthew pa- Wade
2: bowled Pakistan potentially,
1: yeah, and Phil and Phil Hughes took the gloves. Yeah. and Wade, Wade was bowling sort of low one thirties from about the height of a of a, <laughs> of a of a of a young kid, but they were quite good. So I think you can do worse than give Matthew Wade the ball. Unfortunately, with the gloves and with the bat, he's not quite as good at the moment.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> uh, real shame. Uh, any final thoughts, boys? Before we uh, before we uh, wrap up, I'll, I'll jump in
2: and say I think this team will win quite comfortably at the Gabba.
1: Yep, and I'll jump in and say, the, just as a closing comment, the reason why Tim Payne was selected was because our the only key for us was not how many runs we'd be able to make, but if we'd be able to take 20 wickets. And the only thing that jeopardised that is if we'd be able to take catches behind the stumps. Now that we have a keeper to take catches behind the stumps, we'll be absolutely fine for the Gabba.
0: Great analysis, boys. Uh, and I can't believe we've... Um... We've uh, kept it to just 20 minutes, so well done all round, um, p- particularly with your mouth, uh, Tom Morris. So, uh, <laughs> so we've done fantastically well there, uh, and uh, and thank you for joining the Splash Boys.
1: No that's worries, good. been good.
0: Cheers. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and that'll do us uh, on the Splash for this Friday. Everyone, have a great weekend. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, uh, next week. That's a wrap.